1: Indeed, it is. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. I'm Adel Kozlowski, and joined in in, in my virtual studio, I'm looking at Fagy. Good morning, Fagy.
2: Good morning, Adel.
1: (laughs) Nice to see you. Glad to be back. As always. And as always, we have our favorite doctor, um, um, our family doctor. On the line, we have Dr. Kassel, and we had an absolutely amazing, fascinating show just a couple of weeks ago. Um, on understanding our immune system. And I think that that really came to the fore when we started having to deal with COVID um, and understanding how our immune system works and how it is central to us being healthy and fighting all that um, is coming our way. And we're going to continue that discussion today as always we love getting feedback from you so three four five one nine is our sms line oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine is our telegram number love you to join the conversation ask uh, dr castle any question that you have Um, On our discussion, we're here to help you become more healthy. And while we are talking about being more healthy, Faggy and I run a WhatsApp group. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to info at highfm.com. Give us your name and your cell phone number. We'll gladly join you. It's not a spam group. We don't drive you insane. But every day, we remind you how important your health is. And we give you a little tip to live a healthier life. So without further ado, good morning, Dr. Castle.
0: morning, Iroh. Good morning, Faggy. Pleasure good to morning, be Dr. here. Good morning, Dr.
1: Castle. We're always excited to have you on, Dr. Castle. We had a fascinating conversation just uh, two, three weeks ago about our, our immune system. I learned a tremendous amount, um, but we realized from our discussions that there's a lot more to speak about. So I'm going to pass the virtual mic to you and you know, introduce wherever else you wanna go in discussing um, immunology and our immune system and um, how we can care for it.
0: Well, thank you very much. It took a lot of soul searching for me to produce this talk today. I was almost in the position of Geoffrey Archer, who, who was the famous British author, who they said re-hand, hand-wrote his book 14 times before he was happy with it, <laughs> the books that he produced. I must confess I didn't do this 14 times, but I had to do it many times to be absolutely sure I was happy with it. Happy with it in the sense that in this program we're trying to talk to the ordinary person, the ordinary person that we're trying to help. We're not trying to be scientists. We're not trying to uh, elevate ourselves above our scientists. We're simply a program to help people understand ordinary situations in life, which may be difficult to understand, going back to the literature and going back to the media and going back to all the false news that arises in the media. So without further ado, it it took uh, It took my friend in Israel to remind me, he listens to my program and he's my friend of 60 years. And he wrote to me after the last program, he said, Jack, what do you think you're doing? You devoted half a program to discussing autoimmune disease, but you called it the immune system. So I apologized and I said, you're quite right. I haven't discussed the immune system properly. So without further ado, Let's discuss the immune system. We'll discuss it under three headings, the heading of antibiotics, the heading of vaccinations, and the heading of immunotherapy. And I've deliberately asked Feige to title this Immunotherapy because I want to present the facts about antibiotics, the facts about vaccinations, and not be involved in any of the controversies regarding them. It's not the purpose of this talk. But first of all, in the middle of the last century came the advent of antibiotics, followed by the advent of vaccines. And a statement commonly heard at the time was that the bad germ is being replaced by the bad gene. Not at all. Genetic problems, they said, would be our major medical concern in the future. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Let me discuss first the antibiotic. Antibiotics started off with the development of sulfurs and penicillins. And initially, the excitement was great. But soon, bacterial resistance began to emerge. And more and more powerful, modified antibiotics had to be developed to cope with the resistance strains of bacteria that arose. Why has this occurred? The first thing we did with antibiotics was change the pattern of the ordinary organisms in our bodies. 50 years ago, the laboratories reported that uh, 90% to 95% of the infections of the body were bacterial and only five or 10% were viral. As we stand in 2022, The statistic has swung around completely to 90% now being viral and only five to 10% of bacterial. And you know what? The great majority of viruses don't react to antibiotics at all. Antibiotics are quite useless in treating them. What is the source of this dramatic turnaround? Well, the first thing is we've forgotten The way Hashem kept us alive for three thousand plus years, without antibiotics and without vaccines, the term was known as herd immunity. You got your infection, your body produced antibodies, you resisted the infection, and you got better. That soon, with the advent of antibiotics, was embraced by the good term, by the term that the good germ has replaced the uh, the good germ counters the bad germ you need to have good germs in your body in order to fight your bad germs that is also part of herd immunity unfortunately some of us have forgotten this because what did we do with the advent of antibiotics we have successfully succeeded in reducing most of the good germs in our body and in this way more and more powerful antibiotics have had to be developed we have tried to give probiotics we have tried to give into flora but it's like trying to put out a felt fire with a hose pipe it doesn't work like that the good germs have largely been eliminated and unfortunately this today has resulted in the development of stronger forms of antibiotic to cope with the stronger infections. And unfortunately, this is being tested to the limit. Today, we have the term emerging killer strains of bacteria are invading some of our space. And whatever antibiotics you use, the bacteria are resistant. Where do we stop? We stop again in having a more, uh, 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 how could one put the word, a more balanced approach to the use of antibiotics? We'll leave it at that for your questions, as far as antibiotics are concerned.
1: It's a very interesting conversation. In fact, I'm reading a book now called The Longevity Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry. I've got it on on my side table here. And um, he was speaking about the fact that a lot of our diseases and 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 chronic situations that we have is because we've messed up the the the, the flora in our gut, and that was from the overuse of antibiotics. That when we we're trying to get rid of something, we we're taking the antibiotic. Yes, it's getting rid of the bad bacteria, but it has wiped out the good bacteria, and it takes such a long time to recultivate the good bacteria back into in, in into your intestines. And he postulates interestingly that if you get your good bacteria up and running again, he says they're wonderful tenants. They will keep everything working, everything going, your immune system will be strong, you know, and he says you will be able his his line is how to die young in at a ripe old age. And it's a really, really fascinating read. Um and I think it's really based on you know what you're saying, Dr. Castle, that We have overused the antibiotics to a point now where we've even become resistant when when we need an antibiotic that the antibiotic doesn't work. As always, we'd love you to join in on the conversation. 34519 is our SMS line. 061895 is our telegram number.
0: This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern.
1: We're talking all things immune, immunotherapy, antibiotics, vaccines, et cetera. Before we go on to the next topic, Dr. Cussle, um, so always there is the question of when should you be using an antibiotic? Many times I know my kids call me up, say, you know, um, the kid's sick is running a temperature or like, I'm not feeling well, when can I and should I use antibiotics? So where does one find that balance? And just before you respond, you are on mute. So just unmute yourself so that... And if I
2: can add to that question while he is on mute, is that in America, I know that a lot of the time they take a throat culture or they test to see whether it is bacterial or not. Why don't we do that as much here?
0: Well, to answer your question with what Fahey is saying, we have mechanisms at our disposal to uh, actually determine what is going on. When you're dealing with an upper respiratory tract infection, all you need is a throat so, a nasal swab to tell you whether it's viruses or bacteria. And if it is a virus, hold off with the antibiotics because the viruses will not respond to antibiotics. If you've got a secondary bacterial infection and that bacterial infection is pathogenic, uh, it will only be in 5 or 10% of cases and even less than that then use your antibiotic, but don't use your antibiotics in case that is the great problem that arises. We're using an antibiotic in case you get secondary infection. In this way, you have succeeded in destroying the immunity almost completely. But you are getting rid of your good germs, as we have said. and I cannot agree with that approach.
1: Okay, all right. That's that's that that, that that is interesting. Would it would it always be a a good um, a good a good thing that as soon as you are sick that you go and have that nasal swab? You know, because eventually, what happens is is that particularly, obviously, with with parents and children, and the children are really cranky. So you let them run for three four days, and they're still not getting better. Like and then you still have to wait for the nasal swab to come back, which might take another day or two or whatever. Is it better that when a kid gets sick, you just say to the doctor the first time round, just take that nasal swab, let's run, you know, let let it run its course for maybe four days, you know and well, wait for the to result? Tell you the
0: truth, I've always let it run its course, because nature deals with the sicknesses in a very adequate way. It produces mucus to drive out the bacteria. It gives you a temperature to initiate antibody response. Your own body fights the infection, and it may take a few days. You've got to watch out for the danger signals. The danger signals are a child that is deteriorating, symptoms getting worse, a child in the case of upper respiratory infection that is starting to wheeze, indicating that the infection is going into the lung or starting to breathe rapidly indicating that it has gone into the lung but even before this the cost factor here is the limiting factor because swabs do cost quite a lot of money and the uh, people will argue that why should we pay a couple of thousand rand to have swabs done just to find out whether we do or don't need an antibiotic can't we rather take an antibiotic in any case that's the argument they use hopefully after what we've said today they'll come around to our way of thinking always rely on the mechanisms that Hashem has given us to fight infection and understand those mechanisms and understand what the danger signals are far better than any laboratory can tell you you will soon see it i think also
2: an important point that you're trying to say dr castle is that by taking an antibiotic even just on whether you do or don't need it, will affect your body and your immune system for the future. So the next time you do have something that your body has to fight, your body won't naturally be able to fight it because the immune system would be lower.
0: Correct. You're you're toning down your own immune response. You're removing the good germs that fight the bad germs. I can honestly say in my own case that I've reached a ripe old age and I think I've had antibiotics once or twice in my life. And I managed to be here. So
1: <laughs> that's an incredible uh,
0: feat. People that take antibiotics routinely every week or two weeks or three weeks every time they get a sniffle or a thing in the nose, those people, in my opinion, are destroying their natural immunity. But let's leave it at that for the moment. Let's get on, otherwise we won't finish.
1: Let's Let's move on to vaccines then. I think is the next topic.
0: Correct. Vaccines is the next topic, and with vaccines goes the antibody. You will recall from my first presentation that the immunoglobulin or antibody that arises in the body following an antigenic stimulation from without or within is a very significant factor. A significant antigen antibody response came with the introduction of vaccines. And there is no doubt that effective vaccination has saved millions and millions of lives since their introduction. Take, for example, the smallpox vaccine. This vaccine has stood the test of time, and even to this day has provided 100% immunity against smallpox. And has led to the obliteration of the disease since 1970, so much so that smallpox vaccination isn't being done anymore. When considering whether the vaccine should be used, my own personal view in practice has always been to vaccinate against potentially killer diseases, and those are diseases that cause long-term suffering, deformity, and morbidity. And of course, into this category falls six or seven very important conditions. The one is poliomyelitis the second one is measles, the third hepatitis, the fourth meningitis, the fifth tetanus, the sixth TB and the seventh diphtheria. Those are the primary ones, but obviously not the only ones. Unfortunately, everything has come with a price. And as with the use of antibiotics, With the widespread introduction of vaccines and viral infections, we found that the viruses are becoming cleverer than some of the bacteria. They are becoming very clever at mutating. They are changing their form, rendering the vaccine less and less effective and necessitating the use of more and more modified vaccine to try and get the infection under control. You must understand with viral infections, and I stand to be corrected by eminent scientists, but I think I'm right, But the virus simply looks for a host in which to coexist. You're not going to ever obliterate completely every virus that occurs in your body. The typical example is now. The laboratories are reporting at the moment that influenza H1N1, which is the old swine flu of five years ago, is our commonest cause of winter flu. Five years ago, it would have caused panic all over the world had it been reported. Today, it's the commonest cause of winter flu and everybody's getting over the winter flu. And that's swine flu. I don't want to get involved in the coronavirus who ha that's going on at the moment just to mention that the coronavirus is also mutating there are already three types of coronavirus living inside us and the fourth type is mutating down from an alpha and a theta form to now an omnicron form which is a significant form but nevertheless a form that is not killing with the same intensity as as the coronavirus killed in the pandemic. And my own opinion is that the Omnicom and lesser forms of mutation, provided they're not going to kill you, should be left alone to find their resting place in our bodies where they belong. Already three other coronaviruses are coexisting inside us. Unfortunately also with vaccinations, an antigen-antibody reaction cannot be fully controlled and unintended consequences may occur and that is the production of an antibody that doesn't only hit its intended target, but goes off and hits unintended targets. This is known as the errant antibody. A simple explanation as to how the antibody becomes errant. I don't want to get into the scientific details of this, but when you produce a vaccine, you attach, you formulate that vaccine to attach it to a specific receptor in the organism. And unfortunately, the body may not always differentiate between that receptor and go off to another tissue in the body, with a similar receptor and attack it. Fortunately, this has not been widespread, but it has led to the introduction of the field of immunotherapy, which I'm going to discuss subsequently. An exciting development is now occurring with immunotherapy in that we are now starting to harness the antibody and I get on to the third subject, immunotherapy. Just Knowing before you your... get
1: into immunotherapy, Doctor, just I guess it's something I'm postulating. I'm I'm not a scientist, I'm I'm an ordinary person, you know, doing an ordinary day's work and just you know looking around and 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 having a discussion somewhat on on the pandemic that we we've all all, all lived through, etc. Like I've one of the things that I was thinking that and I, I, I'm not sure it's been answered, particularly in South Africa, you know, um, when, when, when the COVID pandemic hit, one of the, the ways that we were managing to uh, flatten the curve or to, to stop people from, from getting sick was to isolate, was to start sanitizing, start doing all of those things. And, and, and really, my thought really at the beginning of the pandemic was that while South Africa South Africa is going to be hit very, very hard due to our populations that do not live in sanitary conditions, do, are not able to isolate. And this is going to be a disaster of note. But now on the the, the, the backside of the, the pandemic, as, as we have emerged, you know, we didn't have the pandemic hit us as hard as it logically should have. Um, to all those populations that couldn't isolate, that couldn't sanitize, that couldn't do any of those things. And I kind of like wonder going back then, what what saved our more less fortunate populations um, from utter decimation? And the only thing I can think of is they haven't used antibiotics. They actually have a very strong immune system because while they they don't have the the, um, ability to get medical first world, world medical care, God has looked after them. I mean, the immune system has has looked after them. Can you talk to that a little bit?
0: Yes. Well, the typical example is in South Africa. Let me preface it with saying that we're not arguing against the way the pandemic of coronavirus was handled. It was a killer pandemic. Vaccines had to be given to everybody. Everybody supposedly took them, and the pandemic was brought under control. Nobody argued with that. But at the same time, South Africa, if I'm correct, has a statistic at the moment of 45% being fully vaccinated, 55% being unvaccinated, and was one of the first countries to achieve herd immunity. How did the other 55% protect themselves? They protected themselves with the mechanisms that of natural immunity that we were blessed with all of us in our bodies. Also, it's been postulated that the BCG, the tuberculous vaccine, does, has, does have an effect against the coronavirus. And the whole population in South Africa has had BCG, so this may be a factor. But the lesson and the thing that you're trying to ask me was illustrated to us with the polio epidemic in 1945. When polio broke out, it was a killer disease. It paralyzed people. Who, were, who became paralyzed? It wasn't the people living under adverse conditions. They rode through the polio epidemic. Many, often, many times, they didn't even know they had polio at all. And certainly, there was no paralysis. The paralysis occurred in the better class communities where these people had already had their immune systems partially damaged. They had no resistance to killer polio. And and unfortunately, it's only the vaccine that brought it under control. So, yes, you're quite right. The world did get on quite happily for many thousands of years. And we are learning the lesson, the painful lesson today that we cannot obliterate disease completely. It won't happen. I hope that answers your question. But now we come to the most exciting development of the part of the program, the development of immunotherapy. Israel as usual, and the America to a certain extent, has illustrated the beneficial effects Of immunotherapy. They did something very simple. They started tackling the field of cancer, which is still one of the biggest destroyers of mankind known to us. And what did they do? They never interfered with the program of the oncologists in treating cancer. It was still surgery, it was still radiotherapy, it was still. Uh, cytotoxic drugs but somebody discovered that your that your actual body produces what's called an anti-tumor vaccine it's a natural antibody produced by the body how did this discovery come about the lancet journal medical journal about 15 or 20 years ago published an article in which they said that in routine postmortems done on people over the age of 90, that had died of accidental causes, not diseases, accidents. When they did postmortems on these people, they found multitudes of cancer riddled all over the body. And it was postulated that if you lived long enough, your whole body would go malignant. So what is keeping? the malignancy in check, what is keeping the cancer from spreading? What is keeping it from breaking through your own anti-tumor vaccines? And what did Israel first do? They isolated women with a BRCA gene cancer of the breast. They concentrated those antibodies, which naturally had become depleted. That's why they had cancer because they they no longer had an anti-tumor vaccine. And, uh, sorry.
1: (laughs) Finish your sentence.
0: They no longer had a sufficient anti-tumor vaccine. So what did they do? They concentrated the antibody. They bled these patients, took their blood, concentrated their antibodies a hundredfold, a thousandfold, a millionfold, and reinjected the blood into the patients. And lo and behold, the tumours started to melt away. The secondaries which were present in the brain and the lungs started to disappear. And the cancer was brought under control. And I'll stick my neck out. I'll break Before now. you stick
1: your neck out, let's just go for a quick ad break. This is 101.9 High FM.
0: This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kasilski and Fagie Stern.
1: We're talking immunotherapy now and trying to understand how this um, specific form of, uh, of therapy now is playing a huge role. And if you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line, 0618951019 is our telegram number. Dr. Castle, I'm sure would be willing to answer any of your questions. You are about to stick your neck out, Dr. Castle.
0: Yeah, I'm about to stick my neck out and say that within the next five or 10 years, and Mez shem, I'll still be alive at that stage. I'll be able to do a program based solely on immunotherapy and tell you how this is our main body defense in many spheres of medicine, not only cancer therapy, but in overcoming disease, in overcoming infection, in overcoming killer or resistant germs. All you have to do is produce an antibody against those and do it in the correct way. You have to harness your antibody. And the antibody is something, a gift, the greatest gift that could ever have been given to us by Hashem. That is how we have stayed alive. And like so many things in medicine, I've always said that wherever you you start to criticize the actual structure of the body, we come back to learn the truth and we're learning the painful lessons today of how our immune system was initially programmed and coming back to the same form of understanding. As far as the vaccines are concerned, the bottom vaccine, just to illustrate to you, the Moderna vaccine that's been, formulated against COVID-19. Moderna themselves have just reported that in 16 cases of cancer of the pancreas, in eight of those cancers, their vaccine produced an antibody which was also successful in limiting the spread and progression of cancer of the pancreas. Now, everybody knows that cancer of the pancreas is almost a death sentence, it's 100% fatal. And here are 8% eight out of 16 people alive today because of this. In tribute to our own oncologists, I know of one or two cases in South Africa, that, uh, friends of mine that are also receiving antibody therapy in addition to the usual cancer therapy. And it's the new emerging field of medicine. As far as control of infections is concerned, well, what did the Americans do when Ebola virus hit West Africa? And West Africans were dying in in the millions. They had two doctors who got Ebola virus in West Africa. They flew them back to Washington, having garnered blood from hundreds of patients with Ebola virus in West Africa they concentrated that antibody. They reinjected it into their two doctors in Washington. And their two doctors are wandering around Washington today completely healthy. They didn't die of Ebola virus. So really that,
1: that was the same thing I think that happened with, with COVID. At one point in time, they were asking people who had um, successfully uh, fought the infection to give up their blood, and they, 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 they were injecting that back into really sick people with COVID.
0: Absolutely. That, that is really the way to do it. So before we criticize everything, just remember that the antibody is the most single most vital factor today in controlling infection, controlling the spread of disease, stimulating immunity, and its basis of immunotherapy. And it's the proper development of the antibody that is the secrets of the antibody that we still don't know that's the future of medicine.
2: Dr. Castle, you sent us a video recently um, explaining immunology, immunotherapy, and it explains how they they give you a medicine and the medicine then puts a bacteria over the tumor and then your own body attacks that bacteria and then attacks the tumour as well.
0: Well, this, this is, this is a, 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 a program that I sent you of very important scientific work, which was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine, where they took a tumour and coated that tumour with bacteria so that an antibody would be produced. They then produced a vaccine against that bacteria. And when the vaccine was introduced into the patient, it destroyed the bacteria and the tumour as well. And that's how it worked. And this is the way we need to go in immunotherapy. We need to utilise the resources of the antibody. We're we're so busy decrying the antibody and talking about the side effects and people coming to harm from vaccinations. The side effects are relatively minimal. They, they, they're they important, yes, but they're relatively minimal. The main effect of antibody is a beneficial effect. And this is what Hashem has given us all through life, all through the 3,300 years of our existence to fight infections ourselves. We need to harness this antibody properly and make it work for us. So, yes, we are 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 discussing finished?
2: the other night on the phone as well. Sorry, Adel, just to finish this off. We were discussing the other night on the phone as well about um, whether someone is already having chemotherapy. You mentioned that the person can also have the immunotherapy at the same time.
0: Of course they can have immunotherapy. In fact, people here have been treated by oncologists where they've had surgery, where they've had radiotherapy, where they're still on uh, cytotoxic drugs, and they're getting antibody therapy as well. It has now become the fourth pivot in the armamentarium of treating cancer today, and our own oncologists are leading the field in this. They're using antibody therapy.
1: Uh, one of the things I want to do is I kind of take a step back um, and understand also that what we need to do when we are well and we are fine to 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 look after our immune system and to what 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 things we can do to feed our immune system that it does remain well because again prevention is is much better than cure and i think that that in and of itself is an entire discussion this is 101.9 1.9 fm
0: this is the healthy you wealthy you show with Adol kasilski and fagi stern
1: We've had another interesting and fascinating conversation with Dr. Cussell in exploring our immune system. We have two minutes left, Dr. Cussell. Closing remarks.
0: My closing remark is to quote the remark of a lady that worked with us, worked in our house for 35 years. She was part of our family. She's unfortunately passed away and she's almost Sholom. Always I respected her opinion because she always used to say to me, You know, Dr. Cussell, only the God knows. And unfortunately, that is still very true. Only the God knows. There are other explanations, quotations that say the same in our own culture. A men's and Gottlacht. We also have on our invitations and our celebrations with gratitude to Hashem. And my program is also with gratitude to Hashem because I'm only saying these things to you. Perhaps they're a bit premature. I don't think they are. But I am having the assistance of Hashem in presenting this to you. And hopefully it makes some sense.
1: Indeed, indeed. And I think I think to wrap that up and just put kind of like the cherry on the top, um, if we understand that our bodies are God-given, and in being God-given, that God has created it perfect, and that if we treat it with respect, we treat it with the, the manner in which God has prescribed, then um, we surely can guard our health and then, of course, be wealthy. And with that, we're going to have to sign off again. Um, hope everybody enjoyed the show. I certainly did. Thank you again, Dr. Castle, for your immense knowledge your time, and your expertise. Thank you, Faggy, for holding my hand on this incredible journey. And we'll be back next week discussing, I believe, Fagie osteoporosis. So, um, so that is going to be a discussion for, for next week. But until then, have a fabulous week ahead. Stay warm and stay healthy. Thank you, everybody.